Thanks for tuning into this podcast from KYMN Radio. You can find more of them like it on our website, kymnradio.net, or wherever you get your podcast. Simply search the KYMN Radio Podcast.
a successful artist comes with its own set of problems. You develop an audience that expects and sometimes demands top quality every time you create something. The trouble is, of course, that top quality is a completely subjective idea, and one person's brilliance is another person's garbage. Even more treacherous, one person's commercial triumph is another's total and complete sellout. It's a common refrain among music fans. How many times have you heard people say, oh yeah, I like that band's old stuff before they sold out? Sometimes it's a fair assessment of a musician's career path, and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes a band you love for four or five albums is suddenly the right band at the right time. They put out a new album that hits on something, and before you know it, that band you saw last fall at First Avenue in front of 1,200 people is now headlining XL Energy Center, and you have to share them with 15,000 people, most of whom like one song and have invested all of 15 minutes into that band. But does that make them a sellout? To be sure, that has and does happen all the time. A band gets tired of playing 200 shows a year, traveling across the country in a van that hopefully has working air conditioning and enough space for the four people who aren't driving to fall asleep without leaning on each other. Or, now at least th this is the way it used to be, the band's record company sees disappointing sales in the first two albums of a three-album deal and lets the band know that they are about to get dropped and the millions of dollars the record company gave them before the first album still hasn't been made up and they are going to have to pay it back. So one day the lead singer person writes something with a sweet melody and the lead guitar player adds a catchy little hook and that band goes from playing second bill in L.A. clubs to megastardom in a matter of months. Or, more egregiously, a superstar decides he hasn't made enough money after a concert tour that grossed $182 million, so he records one of his hits to sell soda pop, or cars, or designer jeans, or car insurance. That's the sort of thing that can be much harder to swallow as a fan. But again, is it selling out? Commercial art is a wholly respectable profession. Is it really compromising an artist's integrity if they want to use their skills to make money? Does that really make them just a bunch of capitalist pigs? The answer, of course, is both yes and no. Tonight, we are going to explore this age-old question by playing some of the moments fans will point to as the moment a band or an entertainer sold out. Sometimes we're going to defend that artist. Sometimes we're going to shake our heads at them. Sometimes we're going to do both. 
Welcome, my dear friends, to the Wild West, no rules world of the sellout. My name is Rich Larson. His name is Daniel G. Moyer. This is the Weekly List. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to AM 1080, 95.1 KYMN Radio in beautiful downtown Northfield, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us once again for another edition of The Weekly List. Which one of us would sell out first, do you think? Um, that's a good question. Um, I'm pretty sure it'd be me. I was gonna. Pretty, say, I didn't I'm want to insult sure, you, but no, yeah, I'm pretty, you, I'm pretty sure it would be. Although you've got you've got such a an, um, a unique <laughs> set of, well, of yeah, ideals I mean, and 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 a per, your personality is all your own. Yeah, I, like <laughs> is that how I don't. You're say I that? don't think like you are. You would be physically capable of selling. I. It. it really is tough. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, this is a tough question. This this whole concept of selling out versus not selling out. I mean. What I have as an opinion of selling out, they may be thinking, well, you know, this is just my artistic progression. Right. And I'm like, well, man, if you're on that kind of career trajectory, then that's your thing. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it, it, I mean, when I first pitched this this uh, yeah. the show, you struggled with the concept. You I do. I have sure. a tough time with and, it. And for a while, I thought I was going to have to program this whole yeah, show. I know. Uh, but, but you, I mean, you finally sort of, we, we talked a lot about it. Right. Finally. But... I mean, there, there's something kind of beautiful in that. In that, I kind of feel like you don't necessarily believe that selling out is even a thing. Yeah, I it, it's it's a tough thing for me because I really there's I struggle with the idea of the starving artist. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, I don't think that there necessarily needs to be nobility in it. I think about somebody like, um, oh, uh you know, a Picasso, right? you know, and all of these guys. And didn't Picasso, his entire thing was he, all of his stuff that he sold was for basically uh, the value of a home sofa set, you know, oh. something like that. I don't know. He made uh, a lot of money though in his lifetime. Well, oh, then I'm thinking about somebody else. It's not Picasso. I'm thinking of who's the guy with the sunflowers. Well, Van Gogh, Van Gogh, Van Gogh, Van Gogh. never sold right. a painting That's, in his it's, lifetime. It's Vincent Van Gogh that I'm thinking of. And I'm thinking, this guy is an incredibly regarded artist. And what a shame that he had the life that he did. Um, if you've ever seen it, I'm a big fan of Doctor Who. Um, there's an episode with Matt Smith, who is the 11th Doctor, called um, Vincent and the Doctor mm -hmm. that really got to the heart of understanding who Vincent Van Gogh was. Interesting. And I struggle with the idea of artists not getting paid. Um, mm -hmm. The whole thing about Napster really ticked me off yep. because I'm a firm believer that an artist, if you've done the, the sweat equity and when you write a song, you throw your entire heart and your soul in it, you deserve something for that. Um, very early on in my kid's life, I demanded that if they were going to download a song or love a song they needed to buy it yeah 
you have yeah. to buy it. And I, I honestly thought that you're you're killing art if I, you uh, don't pay for it, if the I, artist isn't compensated. I, 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 uh, I have compromised my ideals. I have sold out because I, <laughs> I, I make great use of Spotify. Mm-hmm. And I feel so guilty about it, though, that I, I send them 10 bucks a month even though I don't, I don't really have to. Okay, so do you do the commercial-free Spotify? Yeah. I mean, streaming is a tough thing because I've got a friend of mine, Rob Meany, who, brilliant songwriter. Yeah. Um, streaming, they pay pennies. Yes, they do. Fragments of pennies. He, he got like a thousand, some, multiple pays. He, he showed me a photograph of a check that he received for three cents. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I listened to this guy's demos when he was putting it together, and he's a brilliant songwriter, and this is just a pitch out there. If you want to hear something really good, go check out Taramara and Rob Meany. He's a brilliant songwriter. These are great songs. Um, stream them. I, I used to, how I used to do it is I'd go to sleep at night and I'd turn on my phone and stream people like Whiskey Monday that was a friend's band and Taramara and let them play overnight and repeat so that's that they hilarious. got to You know, that's you got to screw around with it. Rob Meany has a song called The Cover of Snow that's just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Wonderful yeah. song. Anyway, we're already off the rails. Yeah, we are off the rail, but um, artists need to be paid. Selling out, I can't fault somebody for, there's commercial art. And we, you know, somebody who designs an advertisement for whether it's Target or, you know, the Guthrie or anything, mm-hmm. they're they're doing that to catch attention for something. And I think that there's a real noble nobility to that. Right. Um, but if you start to make it crass, and there's some of the things that we're going to talk about here yes, are, are real egregious yes, examples, are. and yeah, you should kind of get smacked around a little bit. Yes, we are. I mean, you know, on, on the other side of the coin, there's a band like Fugazi, right? Okay. Who are have are so have been so totally adamant that they will never sell out. That Fugazi never signed with a, a major label. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't, you know, Fugazi, who has a rabid fan base mm-hmm. across the country, can't really afford to tour. No, they can't. And, and, uh, so the, they, th- you can call that nobility. You can call that shooting yourself in the foot. Um, I don't know. I don't know where that lands. I, I always have respected Fugazi for sticking to their ideals, but man, it makes it tough. It, it makes, makes it tough well, to exist. I, I, just, I just feel like, you know, you're hurting yourself. Okay, here's here's a couple good examples. A band that I love, The Replacements. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know the, how I feel about this. Yeah. Did The Replacements sell out when they signed with Warner Brothers and released Tim? They struggled with that. They struggled with that. You want to talk about the little band that could that just didn't effing feel like it. Right. I mean, that's The right. Replacements. Their biggest hit was I'll Be You, which hit number 51. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, you get a band like Carbon Leaf that did actually have a, a decent-sized indie hit, um, uh, Ordinary Day or whatever no, it was. It was off of, uh, ordin- uh, ordinary Life. Ordinary Life it off was, of Indians. It was and a this long is, time ago. Yeah, but this is a band that went and bought their rights back, re- re-recorded those three major league mm. a- or major label albums. They're still touring night, right now. They're going to play the Amsterdam uh, bar in St. Paul for 20 bucks. Yeah. I've seen this band play a million times and I can't wait to see them again. Nice. And I've gotten to meet a couple of the guys in the band and stuff like that. And Great. you know, they're, they're doing it. Yeah. They're not millionaires, but they're doing it. Right. Right. I, I just, I, I, at some point, you know, I, I'm in my, I'm, I'm approaching now my, my, you know, mid fifties, I suppose. 
But you've been middle aged for a long time. Are you right? I have been. I have been, and well, especially my body. My body's like (laughs) eighty years old. So, but like there, there would be. It would be nice (laughs) to have a little money at this point. At this point point, in life, I and I don't. I just. I can't hold that against (laughs) anybody. All right. The whole point of this. Yeah. The whole point of this show tonight. We're already like blabbering way too much. Um. Today is the anniversary of the uh, the release of Metallica's Black Album, right? Which a lot of Metallica fans say that's where they sold out. But you know, Metallica was really at a difficult phase at that point because Cliff Burton, who was the soul of that band, yeah, he was died in '86. There's nothing that you can do about that, right? And Master of Puppets and Ride the Lightning, but especially Master of Puppets. Those are incredible metal records. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't heard them, do yourself a favor. You have not really experienced metal unless you've heard Master. Yeah. But at the same time, they had to do something different. They had um, to move forward off of where they were. They brought in Jason Newstead. They had a relative hit with Justice for All. but And Justice for All is a great record. It's a good album, but it's not mixed very well. Yeah. Um, it, you're right You're right about that. I've never really thought about they, it. They it buried Newstead's, uh, Newstead's bass lines, and it was more out of grief over the, um, uh, yeah. Cliff Burton's death. Yeah. And so he went through a hazing, and that, that yeah. made the album sound weird. But on Black Album, they hired Bob Rock. And if you've ever seen it, there's a fantastic documentary called A Year and a Half in the Life of Metallica yeah. that goes through the whole thing, including the tour afterwards. And Metallica realized that they were on the cusp of something, and it was either they go full on um, and really do it mm-hmm. or not at all. I would argue that Black Album is not their sellout album. I would say the next one, um, <laughs> Load, is. Okay. Because, you know, give me fuel, give me fire, give me... Fuel. Oh, come on, I man. actually kind of like that song. Well, they they took the trends of the time, which were all grunge. They had long hair before. They cut it all off into, like, sharp, fashionable stuff, and yeah. they looked all... They had the look, that visual look that was supposedly so cutting-edge and it was like 92, 93, and I'm like, dude, you missed it by like two or three years. <laughs> you know, go with, you know, that, but that's just me. That's, I, I, I don't know. Being... I, you know, I, we're, I'm, 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 I can't, I can't address this. I, whatever. But what my, my point is, yeah, I, I can see where, where, um, you know, you're a huge Master of Puppets fan. So, so, uh, Enter Sandman is going to offend you, right? I get it. I understand. But let's, let's take, uh, Enter Sandman, sort of out of the the sort of the the realm of Metallica, and just sort of put it in the uh, the pantheon of rock and roll. Great riff! Oh my goodness, Enter Sandman is one of the great rock and roll songs of all time. Yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing song. Yeah. It's a huge. It's it's a uh, um, it's it's a it's an artistic high point. And what does Mariano Rivera do without it? Well, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. All right. I had to bring it back. um, While we're blabbering. Okay. uh, So we move from from Metallica to the Rolling Stones, a band that has sold out. Multiple times. More than once. We we, we were, were before, uh, as we were putting the show together, we were trying to say, do we we use... Uh, she, uh, she's a rainbow because, because they use that to sell IMAX. Mm-hmm. Do we, uh, do we use, um, I don't remember the other song we were thinking about. Mick Jagger, of course, has a degree from the London School of Economics. He knows what he's talking about he, here. Uh, he, he, he is, he is a businessman. And this song, 
was the moment where they uh, they really sold sold out to corporate America. Well, and mind. they did it twice, though. Because you're going to talk about this from the Windows thing, yeah, right? Yeah, from 1994 or 95. 94 was with uh, Start Me Up. I'll be honest with you. I thought Start Me Up, they first sold out in 1981 with this particular song because the tour behind the Tattoo You was sponsored by Jovan Fragrances and Perfumes. Oh. And I remember I lived in Virginia Beach at the time, mm-hmm. and I was about 14, 15. And among my circle of rock kids... We were so infuriated. Infuriated. We were infuriated on two reasons. First of all, this was the first tour that was sponsored, okay? And it was also a tour that was sponsored by a perfume company. (laughs) The Rolling Stones, Keith Richards, and these guys are a perfume company. And then at the same time, it was like, well, you know what? We got to figure out some way to get Hampton Roads on that schedule because we really wanted to see the Stones, and right. they we did. I was involved in a petition uh, with K ninety four Radio where we got the Stones to play the Scope or no Hampton Coliseum. Wow! Um, and they did come. They finished the tour there, and there's actual a live recording of that that you can purchase and a live DVD, and I've hmm. got them both hmm. of that show, and it was televised on pay per view, oh. which you can call that a sellout as well because it was one of the first. Live televised yeah. pay per view. Yeah. So they yeah. went up and down, and thank you, Virginia Beach, and start me up. <laughs> All right. Well, so here from the 1981 uh, album Tattoo You, this is Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones telling you that you should buy Windows and and <laughs> and you should you should just it's, and smell nice and you should smell nice. A 95.1 KYMN, the one.
1978, Rod the Mod, doing a little disco. Yeah. Rod Stewart, do, do you think he's sexy? Um, well, Did you ever think he was? I kind of, I kind of think he's, he's Scottish, of course, by yeah. simple fact that he's Scottish, he has to be. I mean, that's just me, but I mean, dude, we wear kilts. I don't hate that song. Uh, it's not my favorite Rod Stewart song. But really? I, I, it's not I, your favorite? Uh, no. Okay, no. I picked this because... When we started thinking about sellouts, yeah. this this absolutely, in my mind, and I still hold this to the day, um, I've always loved Rod Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the voice of the faces, which in my mind is the ultimate raw bar band. I mean, really great. Such a tremendous talent. What a great voice. It's that perfect rasp. Everything about Rod Stewart's voice, in my mind, from a rock and roll point of view, is perfect. Okay. Perfect. And Do You Think I'm Sexy is such a sellout of that talent, of that ability, of that voice. Why? To shamelessly ruin it. Why? Well, it's just this... It's it's a pretty good vocal performance, actually, I think. It's such an obvious sellout and catching on to the trend of, well, disco and... There's a bit of a problem with this, and I'll admit to this, because disco has gotten a very bad rap from the rock community. It has. And and a lot of it is because, um, especially at the time, there's a certain amount of homophobia oh, around sure. yeah. disco. Yeah. And that ex- certainly exists in the hip-hop world. It certainly exists in the rock and roll era at the time. And I'm sure that that... I was only 11 or 12 when this song came out, so I'm certain that that played a part into it, just um, out of my own youthful ignorance. But there's something about this song that just, you know, if you have to ask somebody, do you think I'm sexy? Dude, you're not. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it. You know, you're just not. Just dovetailing a little bit off what you're talking about. There is, um, I, I like disco. Like, like Oh, I love know, disco, There, yeah. There is... Um, in my mind, there is uh, there are there is legitimate, really good disco out there, including the Bee Gees. Oh, and, I love but, the Bee Gees. Like, you know, Ivan DiCarlo and yeah. and and uh, Gloria Gaynor, uh, the, the Tramps. Yeah, you know, but, uh, but, um, uh, um, Disco Inferno, man, what a great. You know, oh, yeah. All right, all right. But where I get where I get hung up on the disco is when Rod Stewart tries to do a disco song when the Rolling Stones. Do a disco we'll miss song. you and stuff. Uh, uh, no, not even uh, emotional rescue. Oh yeah, right? that was bad. Uh, the, the Grateful Dead did a disco album. I mean, you know, <laughs> see, Ethel right, Merman. Right. Ethel Merman did a disco. See, album. right there, you're starting to go. Hey, this is popular. This is a trend. This is a way for me to have a hit. You're intentionally seeking out a hit. And for me, Rod Stewart, this one song started an artistic slide that continued out through much of the '80s. Yeah, and aside from Young Turk. Young Turks. Yep. Um, I mean, love touch. We and are we, infatuation. We are, we are in 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 absolute agreement on this. Yeah, this is Rod Stewart's purgatory. He, he, purgatory. He, Vagabond Heart came out in nineteen eighty nine. I want to say, yeah. and that was sort of where he 
kind of like that was when he made the statement. There's a whole bunch of music I've made in the last ten years that I'm really ashamed of. Yeah, and for me, there were two songs that really redeemed Rod Stewart for me, and both of them written by Tom Waits, who's a wonderful right. songwriter. Right. One, of course, is Downtown Train, right. which everybody knows, monster hit. The other one is a little bit lesser known, and it's Tom Traubert's Blues, Waltzing Matilda. That song, Rich, I can honestly say that the first time I ever heard that sung by Rod Stewart, I broke down crying. Oh. Because it is such a gorgeously perfect song. And even when I sit and think about it now, that is such an emotionally perfect song that if Rod Stewart never recorded another thing but Tom Traubert's Blues, as far as I'm concerned... He's redeemed himself perfectly. He doesn't need to sing another thing at all whatsoever. And he's still, right now, he's in the studio recording with the faces. You let me know yeah, that. He, so I'm like, is. Rod Stewart is back on as far as I'm concerned, well, man. I, I, don't, I don't know if he'll, he'll ever be back on. But uh, he, for me, he recorded an orchestral version of Pinball Wizard, and I'll just never forgive him for that. Yeah, and that actually came before this. Yeah, I know it did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That unfortunately, I heard that orchestral version um, after I heard "Do You Think I'm Sexy." Right, so right. I've still got to go. Do you think my, right. I'm sexy? Is like, dude, right. if you have to ask, you're not. <laughs> so that's Rod Stewart. Yeah. Now you want to disparage one of my favorite bands? Yeah, I'm going to go after Journey now. Okay. The reason that I'm going to go after Journey for a while, I was going to go with um, separate separate ways off of which Frontiers. is not a good song. It's not a good song. I'm glad you didn't go with that song. Okay, I went with uh, "Be Good to Yourself" for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, at this point, the Raised on Radio album from 1986, where this comes from, is such a glossy, sheeny, uh, mid '80s kind of super gloss, gloppy kind of album. And that being said, I still like it. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna say it's not my favorite Journey album, no. but I don't think it's a bad album. I remember the first time I heard the album, I was woefully disappointed, mm-hmm. woefully. And it was the first time that I heard a Journey album that I went, "Wow, that just was not good." And I thought, "Be good to yourself." In my estimation, was the worst song on the album. And it seemed like such an obvious pull for a top 40 hit. But what really bothered me the most about Raised on Radio was that you had two long-term members that were very important to that sound. You had Ross Valerie on bass, and you had Steve Smith on drums, and they were removed. Mm -hmm. They were completely removed and shunned. But yet they kept Steve Smith on two singles, or two songs, like Why Can't This Night Go On Forever, and I think it might have been Eyes of a Woman. Okay. Um, to get that sound from him, but they dismissed them both. And I think Journey is back into that same kind of problem because there was a little bit of a coup last year, <laughs> and they permanently threw them out again. Well, yeah, but that's on that's on those two guys. That's on those two guys. But, I mean, it Raised on Radio was where, in my estimation, Journey really, really kind of fell apart because it turned more about money and all that kind of stuff as opposed to what was... Originally, this is a progressive rock band. The first yeah. three albums, yeah, the first three albums aren't very good. They're not great, but but <laughs> I'm, you're just I'm not a fan of prog rock, right? Dude, and I so, guess yeah. I like that some of the, I like some of that stuff, and I'm a big fan of Neil Sean's playing, especially, and he's so melodic, even on those first three records. I mean, Look into the Future has got some great playing by him. Um, but yeah, this this was the album that kind of went okay. Journey's very fallible. I only saw Journey one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was on this tour, okay. With uh, with Randy Jackson was playing bass, and Randy Jackson who went on to be a uh, American Idol. Uh, American Idol, you know, according to the phrase, a little pitchy dog. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, 
and I actually was super impressed with with uh, Randy Jackson, and I don't remember the drummer, but they like that they, was Laurie London, I think. Okay, Laurie and, uh, London. They uh, they did a uh, like a little rhythm solo thing at yeah. one point. Was re- I thought it was really cool. You want to call this album the sellout album? That's that's fine. I mean, if you really want to, I mean, you really want to point for me. You really want to point to where Journey sold out if they sold out. I'm going to point to open arms, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's the, the, the first real power ballad. Um, and, and, you know, and, and frankly, that's the difference between journey with Greg Raleigh and journey with Jonathan Kane. Well, yeah. I mean, Jonathan Kane is not going to play a Hammond B3. No, I mean, he's not, he's no, going to, he's not that guy. Yeah, no, no. He, he doesn't have a bluesy bone in his body. No. Well, right. He doesn't. No, he doesn't. I'm not going to say he was with the babies, but right. you know. Well, yeah, but that, the, that's the, not the that's not a bluesy not band. A blues band. No, no, they're not. No, no, that's that's about as close as he can get to bluesy, and they're not. Yeah, no, no. Anyway, and now he's married to uh, a really creepy tele yeah, uh, televangelist. Televangelist. Anyway, yeah, never mind. Anyway, you know what? <sighs> Weekly tangent continues. This is journey. <laughs> this is us selling out <laughs> <laughs> from 19. And I think this is a good song. Danny doesn't like it. I like the song. You know, it's if you like it, I don't mean to offend with any of this stuff. It it's got a good message. I will give you that. It's I'm, got a very important message, but that doesn't make it. I'm perfect. certainly not offended that you don't like it, and I can understand why. But this is from 1985, the Raised on Radio album. This is "Be Good to Yourself" a 90, a 95.1 KYMN. <laughs>
about destruction Don't you know that you can count me out Don't you know it's gonna be Alright 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 You say you got a real solution Contribution Well, you know We all do We won't be can But if you want money For people with minds that hate All I can tell you is Brother, you have to wait From 1968, one of my, uh, one of my, might have been one of my favorite, first favorite Beatles songs. Uh, that was uh, Revolution. Now, the Beatles themselves as a band yeah. never sold out. No, they didn't. Right. However, uh, this is, a, this is a, a, a tragic tale about two people, yeah. Michael Jackson and Yoko Ono. Right. Um, Paul McCartney. Yeah, very famously in like 19, when when Paul McCartney was working with Michael Jackson like they were recording like say 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 and yeah okay. yeah the and, Mac and Jack thing yeah exactly um gave Michael <laughs> some advice because he had just purchased the Buddy Holly right catalog yeah. and he's like you know Michael you should think about getting into music publishing and buying pu- because that's there's really good, good money in yeah. it you know and you know <laughs> McCartney thinking. 
You know, he'll go out and he'll buy he'll buy Motown stuff or whatever. Yeah, exactly. No, he I, bought Northern I, songs. A year later, he bought the Beatles catalog. Yeah, Northern songs. Outbid McCartney for yeah. for them. Yeah. Anyway, that so. went real well, Paul. Well, and he immediately then turned around and licensed Revolution to Nike, who made a uh, a very famous commercial mm-hmm. that made just about everybody angry and actually nike sales took took a took a drop that's when i stopped buying nike shoes to yeah. be quite honest with you yeah. honestly the the sad part about that is though that um i'm wearing nike now though so well i've got i've got a pair of nikes at home too uh yoko ono actually brokered that deal I, yeah. she, she was she was in on the uh, the whole thing the other three Beatles um sued nike uh, over the whole thing because they used more vocal, more more of the vocal part of the song than than had been allowed or something. They sued Nike for fifteen million dollars. Nike pulled the ad after a couple of months. And yeah, that was the end of it. But uh, still, though, the deed, the damage was done. Michael Jackson sold the Beatles out. Okay. All right. So next. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, here's what I want to say. <laughs> All right. Not my favorite band. Although okay. although. Um, when this album came out and I was 14, I liked all the catchy tunes. Oh, okay. You know, okay. Um, Sticks and Dennis DeYoung uh, are terrible. Sticks with Tommy Shaw, I like. Sticks with De- Dennis De- I, I told you, I told yeah. you this. Roger Waters looks at Dennis DeYoung and says, man, you're pretentious. <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're, of course, talking about the Kilroy Was Here album in 1983. Um, I love Sticks. I actually really do. And I, I was thinking about, well, I got to mention Sticks. The first thought that I, I think a lot of people might have is going to be Babe was the sellout. And I have to be very honest. And Babe was from the Cornerstone album. Wasn't Babe super early on, though? No, that was from the Cornerstone album. That was their first big hits were. Um, Lady. Lady is the song. Lady, I'm right, in 72. But that was a minor, minor hit. It was really more of a Chicago land, and it helped kind of get them into AM. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that they sold out with Lady. No, and I'm not saying that they sold out on Babe for a very, very simple reason. Um, Dennis D. Young Young wrote that song for his wife, Suzanne. And at that point, they had been through a lot of hard stuff with him trying to bring sticks to light and become popular. And he was gone a lot of the time. And he wrote this as an unabashed love song to his wife. And they've now been married for close to 50 years. And I am... That's great. We're not playing Babe, though. Right. And we're not playing that. And I'm not... The reason that I didn't pick Babe, because a lot of sticks fans would probably point their fingers at Babe... I'm not playing that because I think that if you write an honest love song for another person, um, I don't think that that's a sellout. I think that's being honest. I think okay, I think that's fair. So that's being sweet. However, Kilroy was here. They had a tremendous hit with Paradise Theater, which is a perfect album. It's a great concept album about America from the Great Depression, um, the, the Roaring Twenties, all the way to some of the disillusionment that came in the 50s and stuff, frameworked around an actual theater. Kilroy Was Here was all a science fiction pretentious ball of junk. We're gonna, he plays a character named Robin Orrin Charles Kilroy, R-O-C-K, please. Yeah, yeah. And we've got this song, Mr. Roboto, which has become incredibly popular also for a car ad, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yes, it was. And I, so, like, I think Volkswagen. Volkswagen. And there's everything about this is just utter schlock, especially this great little intro that we're going to probably be talking over. Um, just pretentious, gloopy, gloppy stuff. And I've kind of softened on the whole album, and I'm I'm glad I own it, but please, man. Oh, 
So curiously, Danny doesn't like the song, but we're going to play it for you anyway. This is from 1983, and the Kilroy was Kilroy. (laughs) This is Mr. Roboto on 95.1 KYM and the One. Made in Japan. Secret, secret. 
on the boulevard of broken dreams Where the city sleeps and I'm the only one Green Day, from their 2005 album, American Idiot, with Boulevard of Broken Dreams. And Danny, I know you're sitting there wondering, Yeah, Rich, you love this album. Yeah, why, American Idiot is a great why, record. Why are you accusing Green Day of selling out on, on Boulevard of Broken Dreams, Because you could Rich? have gone with so many other things that Green well, Day have sold out before first of all, this. First of all, Green Day has been, is a band that has been accused of having sold out from the day they debuted their, their, uh, made, made their major label debut. Yeah, right? with Dookie. With, exactly, exactly. Um, I've never bought into that at all. Okay. Uh, I think that, that, you know, that, I think Billy Joe Armstrong's a really good songwriter. It's a really good songwriter. I think that that's Green Day by and large is a pretty darn good band. Yeah. Here's the thing. Okay. Okay. Hey, you used my phrase. Here's the thing. No, actually it's uh, it's Joe Biden's thing, President Biden's. Oh, okay. Um, here's the thing. And the thing is 2005, let, let let's let's kind of let's try to remember what was happening in this world in 2005. We were uh we we were in the midst of um a god awful presidency, even though I, I, I I'm pre, on record. Pre, yeah, I'm on record as as, as in the post presidency. I've really come to be like charmed by George W. Bush. I am. <laughs> He's got a rakishness. <laughs> He's sassy. <laughs> Dude paints watercolors and 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 like all the evil. I've just laid all the evil onto Dick Cheney. But whatever. Okay. The point is this: we were fighting a, a war in Iraq that we didn't need to be fighting. Um, the the economy was was falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, this is the, right around uh, Hurricane Katrina, mm-hmm. where I mean, you know, government basically said we do not care about you. Um, in certain parts of the country, certain people of the country, um, we were not in a good place. And here I am thinking, well, okay, where are all the protest songs? Mm-hmm. Where's the protest music? And that was when I kind of realized that the, the the whole concept of the protest song had died by that point. Right. But here came Green Day with American Idiot, probably the most important album of that entire decade. Yeah. It came out, what, about three weeks before the election, so I think it came out a little too late, but well, that's me. I I I don't think that the point was that influencing anything. I yeah. just think it was making the artistic statement that uh, our our country is in a really bad place right now, and we're going to point some fingers at, at, at who's doing this. They made a, it was a phenomenal artistic statement. It was great, and I will say again, the most important album of that uh, of the aughts of that decade. And then what do they do 
almost immediately after uh, the cycle of that tour was over. Uh, they put out a live album. That was the first thing, which is, you know, and a buying then, time. And then they uh, turned it into a Broadway musical. Well, no, because what they did is they put out another concept album. Whatever. And they then they, turned, they mixed the whole thing they into it. They yeah. turned the most important political statement, musical political statement of, of the aughts, into a Broadway musical. I'm, I, okay. Sold out. Um, I am of both minds on that. I haven't seen the Broadway musical. I've heard a lot of good things about it. I think that the story's intriguing. What I would have really liked to have seen... Um, and this is one of the problems I've got with some Broadway musicals. I'm very glad that Hamilton is now available for people to see on mm-hmm, Disney. Mm-hmm. They they filmed that. But I'd like to see... My problem with Broadway musicals is it gets very exclusive to where there's... It costs a lot of money to go to Broadway, yeah. to go to New York, to see these things. And I'd like to see theater brought more to the masses. Right. And so even if that's a video recording performance of it, I'm glad that Springsteen's put out his. I would have liked to seen a video of this so that I, as the masses, could have appreciated it. Yeah, yeah. Do not get me wrong here. I'm, 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 I'm very much, I've always been a theater person. Mm-hmm. I, I love, in fact, I love Broadway musicals, right? right. This was, this album, this album, a massive political statement, mm-hmm. right? And the really the only thing that we got from from a a, a decade that was well, we thought back yeah. then was like full of turmoil. We, you know, our next decade went hold my beer. <laughs> but <laughs> that's good. <laughs> we we I mean at that point though, I mean this was this was a it it was a super important album. Yeah, and they cashed it in. I can see that to some degree. So you're you're kind of thinking, well. Going to Broadway kind of neutered the album. Yeah. Well, you know, at the same time, I because maybe because the Broadway album or Broadway presentation was never presented to the public overall to where I could see it and where I could judge it or rate it on its own, it kind of exists outside in my head. I, it doesn't really exist because it got stuck for Broadway, for... All the people that would never have appreciated or understood what American Idiot really was about, those are the ones that bought the overpriced tickets. They cashed in. They Okay. And, yeah. and I can see that, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, we normally will take seven, eight, ten minutes to talk about my beloved Imminent Brewing. We're right. going to kind of rush. We're going to – we are way overscheduled or, or way over time tonight, so we're going to rush this a little bit. Um, coincidentally, there are only – what time is it, Danny? It's haiku time, haiku corner time with haiku rich. Yes, we have two. Whoa, we cut it down. to We two. have two. Oh, okay. I, I didn't even have to edit it. I just I, we have just, two, two sides of the show tonight. Okay. I won't sell my song. What's that? Ten million dollars? Oh wait, here you go. <laughs> well, there there you are. All right, that's one version of yeah. selling out. Okay. Third album, huge hit. But I've loved them for so long, they used to be mine. Mm. That's that's my REM story. That's also my replacement story. Yeah. And it's also my 1975 story, because I remember that band I saw on First Avenue, I went, they're going to play the XL someday. Then later on that tour, I think I saw them, was it, whatever, The Myth in Maplewood. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then they're getting ready to put out their all-important second album, and I got word that they were doing 
12 secret shows in the U.S. and 12 in England. I got a ticket to see them at First Avenue, and I stood there, and they played all the songs that later on became the number one yeah. debut album. And I remember sitting there at the time going, yeah, this will be the last time I ever see these yeah. guys in a yeah. place this small. And they were supposed to play the X last year, and I knew that they were going to. I still wait for them to, but that band is no longer mine anymore. Right. The, for for me with REM, I you know, in college, man, I, I had a... Yeah deep meaningful relationship with rem pretty much all through the 80s um graduated from college right about the same time that they uh uh released uh time uh out of time out out of time and then they put out what i think frankly is their best album automatic for the people right yeah and then they put out monster which is not my favorite album but that's that's when they toured they didn't tour for uh, right. uh out of time they didn't tour for automatic for the people but they did tour with monster so i went to see them at uh uh target center mm-hmm. they played i think three songs that predated out of time uh, and and i'm looking around at all these people that are like you know yay stand yay or you know whatever but <laughs> shiny happy people right, go right right and and i'm like you know Where's Harbor Coat? Where's where's uh, yeah. where, you know where's Flowers of Guatemala? Yeah. But um, but w- like literally watching this band play, I had this like, oh man, this is not my band anymore. Yeah, was, I saw that tour and I was hoping for Don't Go Back to Rockville. Right. Not gonna happen. No, no. I think they played. I think they played Radio Free Europe and they played uh, South Central Rain yeah. and like that might have been it. Yeah. From Here's... anything and then it was probably uh, it's the end of the world as we know it. Maybe. I don't even know if they played that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway. Um, imminent Brewing. We're going yeah. to get a run through this real quick. Um, look, we always, whenever we talk about Imminent, we always just start talking with the with, uh, uh, COVID-19 situation. Things are way up in the air right now. Yeah. Nothing has changed at Imminent if you have not been vaccinated. Now, the CDC is recommending in Rice County uh, that you should wear a mask indoors, mm-hmm. okay? It's a recommendation. It's a guideline. It's not a rule. It's not a mandate. We are following uh, CDC guideline. We, being in and Brewing, are following it. First of all, thank you, Lauren Derek Myers, for sponsoring the weekly list. Thank yeah. you for making this show possible. Lauren Derek Myers, who own Eminem Brewing. Um, if you are vaccinated... We're not going to ask you to put on a mask. If you have been vaccinated, if you have not been vaccinated, we are going to ask you to put on a mask. You're going to lie about it, whatever. That's you know, man, you're, it, it, it's your life. Yeah, you're, you're taking that risk. At the same time, I mean, I've been vaccinated. I've also got type one diabetes. Um, I've started to be honest with you, Rich. I'm wearing a mask a lot more inside now. Um, I'm actually quite nervous about. Not only the Delta, but the I think it's a Lambda, and so oh, I haven't even heard of that. Yeah, that's that's the new variant, and it's a little distressing when you start having a pandemic that is starting to have variants that are named after um, frats from uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it, I, got, it, I got the Trilamp virus. I got, I got the. Tri- <laughs> you really you need that, um, but you know, wearing a mask. Some people are trying to turn it into a political thing. I think it's more of a safety thing. And so really 
just be careful out there. Have respect for yourself. Have respect for others. And um, I'm behind the bar. I have a mask on. Yeah. I, I have a mask actually right now in my back pocket. Yeah, you know, it's a good and, idea. So, so anyhow, enough of that. Let's yeah. get off our soapbox. Yeah. Tell us about beer. The big news this week. Okay. Uh, Honey Basil Ale is back. Honey Basil Ale is the most popular specialty beer in the history, the four-year history of, of uh, Imminent Brewing. Wow. It's, 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 hard, it's hard to do because uh, they can only really brew it when they have fresh basil. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to kind of wait deep into the summer to get enough fresh sure. basil to, to, to do all this. And it's, uh, it's a great beer. It's, it's light. It's crispy. It's it's it, it, it's kind of basily. It's I, I love this. Hence beer. the name. Exactly. It's it, but it's back. It's back this week, um, and probably won't be around for more than six weeks. Okay, so it's kind of a limited supply. Oh, absolutely. As yes. as to quote uh, Johnny Rotten, a limited supply. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, what's on tap right now? Um, oh, before I get there, Matt Arthur. My mm. dear friend Matt Arthur yeah. of Matt Arthur and the Bratlanders. Matt Arthur is playing a solo acoustic show. Nice at Imminent on Saturday night. Matt Arthur, I would love for you to see and meet Matt one day. Yeah. Matt is this uh, force of nature. He's he is a um, he is a blind man who is self taught on how to play the guitar. He plays a guitar unlike anyone I've ever seen play okay. before. Uh, it's it's. I mean, he just figured this thing out all by himself, and he, he's he's great. So he follows his own rules and totally. his own method. That's great. I now, love that. Beyond that, Matt is um, a true musicologist. I think that Matt knows every folk song that was written between nine or eighteen sixty two and nineteen thirty five. I think he knows really? them all. Really? And he's he's a he's he's a strong Christian. He plays a lot of gospel. He plays a lot of folk. And and Matt. <laughs> Matt's amazing in that uh, he'll start playing at six o'clock. Or I think he's actually he's only playing seven to nine on, on Saturday. But I've seen him start, not take a break, just keep going, never repeat a song, and play for three hours. That's cool. Just all by himself. Oh, that, that sounds like a fun night. And that's uh, this Saturday, Saturday at seven, uh, August seven or August fourteenth, August fourteenth at seven, seven o'clock. to nine. Yep. Imminent Brewing. All right. Beers on tap right now. Dragon Squirrel Juicy IPA. Wolf Creek IPA. Question Mark Hill Wheat. Go for the Gosa, mm-hmm. which is a German sour, which is quite good. The Gateway Cream Ale. The Pineapple Mountain Wheat. And Honey Basil. Honey, honey Basil Ale. Yeah, it's great. Uh, food Trucks, um, Norris Cuisines tomorrow night. Brick Oven Bus on Saturday. And Potter's Pasties on Sunday. Imminent Brewing is open 4 to 9 on Thursdays. 4 to 9 on Fridays. 2 to 9 on Saturdays, and 2 to 7 on Sundays. As always, all the information you need can be found on their website at imminentbrewing.com. Very nice. Very nice. All right, so. Okay, so this is going to be the newest song in the set list. <laughs> um, and this one, all right. I'm not sure it's a complete sellout. Um, we're going to play um, I Love Her, Dua Lipa. Uh, Dua Lipa. Um, the song is there. There is there is debate out there. Yeah, I'm Do, gonna go. Is it Dua Lipa? Is it Dua Lipa? I have been going with Lipa. I'm you going go, with Lipa. You say Lipa, I say Lipa. Let's call the whole thing off. There we go. All right. Um, this is a song called uh, "Levitating," which is from her big album. You know, her new one, "Future Nostalgia." This is a remix with the uh, baby. There's a couple reasons. I'm quite concerned about Dua right now. I love her. 
I think her debut album was spectacular. Um, the new album, this future nostalgia, is incredibly popular. I think it was more designed for American audiences in particular. What is especially- which, which offends you in and of itself? In offends you're, yes. you're, a, you're a European and an American. Absolutely, body. Yes. absolutely. I think that her first album, her self titled, was fantastically more interesting. It was more musically varied. Wouldn't wouldn't being a European in, a, in an American body? Wouldn't that just then make you Canadian? <laughs> I have no response to that, man. <laughs> Would that make me Canadian? Yeah, sure, you betcha. <laughs> I, or whatever they say, you know. That's what they say in Duluth. Oot, oot yeah. in the boot. Uh, out and about. Oot. Yeah. That's yeah. not going to work either. Anyhow, um, this remix with DaBaby causes me a number of problems um, right from the v- beginning. Well, DaBaby is problematic. It's very problematic. There's two things in particular. Um, very recently, and this came post the remix, um, as recently as last month, July of this year, there was a number of homophobic comments that he issued from the stage mm-hmm. um, and on Twitter and things mm-hmm. that he's had to um, delete. But one of my real problems with this was last year in 2020, yeah. early on, he slapped a female fan in Tampa, Florida, when she tried to take a picture of her of him and her camera got too close to him. And he he smacked her. He slapped her. And this caused the audience to have an uproar. He didn't even hit this. He didn't even do a song. And I had a problem with this whole thing of him. I have a problem with a person hitting any person, but a male hitting a female, I find really tough. And to have him guesting on a Dua Lipa song um, really bothers me because Dua's first hit off of her first record was a song called New Rules. And it's all about how... As a woman, you shouldn't have to take any abuse from a man. You should not ever. You know, here's the new rules. I've got the new rules for you. And one, don't do this. You know, don't Mm -hmm. do that. And basically calling men out for their abuse. And then the fact that she brought in a guy who, before the Future Nostalgia album was really fully enmeshed, there was already news that this is what he did. And so I have a problem with Dua Lipa bringing that in just because he's a popular rap voice that's going to add some street hop or street hip hop credibility to her her track. I have a tough time with that. Yeah. And I'm not fully there to call her a sellout yet, but I'm thinking man, you're really coasting the lines. And I say this, she had the song uh Boys Will Be Boys on that last album, the Future Nostalgia album, which I think is an extraordinary song. I still do. But this is I'm I'm troubled right now for where Dua Lipa could go, and I'd like to see her come out strongly against the baby on this. And I don't know. There, there. I'm I'm troubled with this, and so I'm struggling uh, trying to review a, an artist that I have a lot of respect for. But it's it's I'm having a tough time right now. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say. Um... This is going to be a weird thing to say. I'm going to, I'm I before we even regret we before we even play the song, I am going to regret having played this version of this song. Mm-hmm. We should have gone with the uh the 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 non da baby Yeah, mix, but mix. no, we should have and and talked about the da baby thing. Yeah, we, we probably know. should. Have. And I wasn't thinking about it and we're not really prepared to do that. So I'm I, I it's a good song. It is a good song, but you know, it it also aside from all of that, it's got a very Again, very American sound. I'd like to see her stick back to the true roots. All right, well, 
to Baby or No. Uh, it's for you, Sugar Boo. This is Levitating by Dua Lipa on 95.1. Feel boy, baby, Dua Lipa, make them dance when it come on. Everybody looking for a dance floor to run on. If you want to run away with me, I know a galaxy and I can take you for a ride. I had a premonition that we fell into a rhythm where the music don't stop for life. Ain't no debating on it. I'm still levitated. I'm heavily medicated. Ironic, I gave him love and they end up hating on me. She told me she loved me and she been waiting. Been fighting hard for your love and I'm running thin on my patience. Needing someone to hug, even took it back to the base. You see what you got me out here doing? Might have threw me off, but can't nobody stop the movement. Uh uh, let's go. Left foot, right foot, levitating. Pop stars, do a leap with the baby. I had to lace my shoes for all the blessings I was chasing. If I ever slip, I fall into a better situation. So catch up, go put some cheese on it, get out and get your bread up. They always leave when you fall, but you run together. Weight of the world on my shoulders, I kept my head up. Now, baby, stand up, cause girl, you.
ever. I'm really gonna miss you picking fights and me falling for it, screaming that I'm right. And you would hide away and find your peace of mind with some indie record that's much cooler than mine. Conclude the Daniel G. Moyer pop corner version of the uh, of, of the or the pop corner uh, section of the weekly list. There you go. Um, why 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 that song? Um, that is Taylor Swift. Of course, we're talking about uh, we that are was, never getting was, back together. Yes, that was Taylor Swift back when she was still kind of country. I well, guess, so. this is the thing. Up until this album, which was the Red album, she was classified as country, and the Red album is still classified as a country one. That there's song, nothing there's nothing country. about that that's there's country. Nothing country about that. That at was all. such an obvious pop song overture, and it does not sound at all like not even pop country. It just sounds like unabashed it's pop KDWB, music. AM top forty, FM top forty, whatever, you know, pop song. And because this one was so successful, it led to the nineteen eighty nine album, which mm-hmm. was now she's left the country milieu. Yeah. And Taylor Swift is a fantastic writer. She is. And I actually do love this song. I've loved all of her records that she's had ever since her very self-titled, first self-titled one. She's a formidable talent. But really, if she started out as a country artist and she got a lot of country fans to start with, this is where she took all of the country fans that she had built and went and said, mm, I'm not interested in you anymore. I'm going to become a pop star. And she flat out did. Yeah, she did. You know, so I got to note that. Yep. Yeah. I remember when this song was uh, was popular. I used to tease my daughter about it because it, 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 the way Taylor sings the "We Are Never." Gonna... Yeah, <laughs> it's a good song it, though. You know I mean, it, it, it's I, a good I, pop song. I, I'm not going to deny that it is yeah, a good it's a song. Classic pop song. It is a good song. So now, All right. now we come to 
we've, like we've got this. We're going to end with this like trifecta of of sellouts and disappointments. <laughs> um, Michael Jackson was the aforementioned Michael Jackson. We've already talked about him once. Michael Jackson was, of course, the king of pop. Yeah. Um, and and I, there's a part of me like I, I've got some I've even got some issues with um, putting Dua Lipa and, and Taylor Swift on this show because for me, if you're working in that that as you say the pop milieu, um, like in and of <laughs> itself you're sort of compromising some things. Um, you, you, that to me pop music is meant to sell records. It's pop popular yeah pop for exactly and 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 you know you, you're not you're not trying to make grand artistic statements in pop music you very rarely are you making any sort of political statement in pop music um it happens but not very very often michael jackson was never a guy to make any sort of political statement he he, he was you know he just he just he danced and he sang and and May have done some other stuff too. That is for you. Unsavory. To, yeah, that's for you to determine. Where this bothers me is this is 1984, mm-hmm. and he was the biggest star in the world, mm-hmm. bar none. Right. And was the biggest star anyone had seen in the world probably since the Beatles at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, his popularity was insane. And I, I don't even think I don't even think it's possible to to explain to someone in 2021 how popular Michael Jackson was in 1984. When he started the 1983 year, Thriller was the number one album of the year, or number one album that first week of 1983. The last week of 1983, guess what was the number one album in America? Thriller. Yeah. Wire to wire. Yeah. Wire to wire. Yep. Never happened before. Yep. A year. Full year at, at number one. Yeah, tough to tough to get around that. <laughs> anyway, um, Michael didn't just cash in <laughs> on the popularity. <laughs> now, to his credit, he, he printed his own money. To his credit, he he uh, he, he gathered his brothers around him and right. said, "We're well, I'm going to share the wealth with you." I'm and I'm pretty sure. Uh, Mr. Jackson, Father Jackson, whatever I remember, Joe, Joe, Joe Jackson, Jackson had something to do with this too. Yeah, but the Jacksons got and signed a deal with Pepsi Cola, and uh, we're gonna play you right now. Check it out, man! One of the biggest artistic compromises I have ever heard. We'll be right back. Well, no, I'm gonna be right back. Maybe we can talk. I don't know. Hang on.
Okay, let, let, let's just fade it right here. Yeah. Rich, I'm not sure that I really want to taste the thrill of the day. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that's going to taste like, but I mean... Dude, you don't understand, though. You're the Pepsi... And by the way, he was singing to our generation. Yeah, I drink you're the tab. Pepsi, you're the Pepsi generation, yeah, Danny. I, you, know, you. You. No. You I, are the Pepsi generation. I, I like tab, and they don't make And Michael anymore. Jackson is telling you, after being paid a gazillion dollars yeah. and re-recording his biggest hit... A, a, yeah. a hit, a song that had taken him from, remember he used to be the guy, the little kid who was the lead singer of the Jackson 5, yeah. to the biggest star in the world. Yeah. And then he, you know, and then he used the money to buy Neverland Ranch and then yeah, well, Lord knows what happened. I'm just glad that. you didn't play the Suzuki ad that, you know, uses rock with me. <laughs> I mean, he rock sold out a long, 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 long time ago before Thriller even hit. So, yeah. I mean, I, I real, I don't know that I really want to taste the thrill of the day. I'm scared what that might be like. Don't answer that, please. From 1983, this is Michael Jackson off the Thriller LP with Billie Jean. A 95.1 KYMN. Tasting the thrill of the day.
From 1988, that was Eric Clapton with his re-recorded version of a song he had originally covered in 1976 called After Midnight. It was a song written by J.J. Cale. You and I were just talking about yeah. um, how we both kind of prefer this version. It sounds to a lot more Clapton's after original. It does, very much so. And it, like I was saying, it, it's a little truer to the, the original J.J. Cale version. With that said... I don't even know where to start with Eric Clapton well, right now. On this one, my biggest problem is is here you've got a guy who is an alcoholic. He's an admitted alcoholic, and he's recording this for a Miller Lite ad. He was an alcoholic when he made that commercial. Yes, he and, was. Like it, Very shortly after that commercial came out, this is actually true, after, very shortly after that commercial came out, he checked himself into rehab. He, in fact, he was at Hazelden. Hazelden, yeah. Um, and uh, Miller Lite had to pull the ad. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. That's a problem, kids. Well, you took the money and you ran. Well, okay. Let's There's so many issues okay. on that. Let's start though. Let's go all the way back to 1966. Okay. The year Eric Clapton, I swear to God, invented not selling out. Eric Clapton mm-hmm. was a member of the Yardbirds. Right. And uh, he, the Yardbirds were a solid blues-based R&B band with Eric Clapton on lead guitar, which is exactly what he wanted. He wanted to be in that band. Um, and then they recorded a song called For Your Love, mm-hmm. which was uh, 
really kind of poppy, very hooky. It was, kind of, very it was a snappy song. tune, uh, and and Clapton refused to play on it except for the little eight bar break in the middle when yeah. it gets kind of bluesy. Yeah, you know. So he's playing on that, but he refused to play, it, and then he left. He yeah, left the band the because he, he uh, that was he, he's like, if you guys are going in that direction, I want no part of it. I'm out, and he joined uh, John Mayall's Blues Breakers. All right, he. <laughs> he, his, I mean, his integrity was so important to him that he left a band that was on a super high trajectory and was about to become one of the most popular bands in the world. Yeah. It probably would have been if Clapton had stayed with him. Uh, and he went and joined, became second banana to John Mayall in his, in his blues band, right? Fast forward 22 years. <laughs> And Eric Clapton is now, well, okay, he's re-recording his song to sound bluesier, but he's taking all the money. And, yeah. and, 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 he's, and, then he, and then after he had recorded the song for uh, the commercial, then he put it on as a, a, um, the single from his Crossroads box set. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So that was disappointing in and of itself, but you know what? I still loved Eric Clapton. Uh, Eric Clapton is um, not my favorite guitar player, but... Like top two, I mean, and he's, part of the reason I love Derek and the Dominoes so much is because it fe- it favors or f- it features my two favorite guitar players mm-hmm. of all time, right? Yeah, Dwayne Allman and Eric Clapton. Clapton, I love the man's music. This year, twenty twenty one, it started when I when I read Clapton's biography five six years ago, and it folks. If you like somebody, if you like a musician, <laughs> um, don't read their biographies, the autobiographies. I mean, this has happened not just with music. This has happened to me with Pete Rose. It's happened to me with Eric Clapton. And to a lesser extent, it's happened to me with Phil Collins. Bruce Springsteen's autobiography is sitting on my shelf. I will tell I you have this. I not read it. I will, I, I, that I'm one sure, I actually okay, like okay. Springsteen more as a result. Great. That's fine. All right. So <laughs> I'm just trying to keep the show moving sure, here. Sure, sure. Uh, Eric Clapton has now positioned himself to be the single largest anti-vaxxer in the world. In the world. He is refusing to play shows where there is a vaccination requirement. He is out there telling anyone who will listen that vaccines are bad and poisonous and that all this horrible stuff happened to him when, when he took the vaccine. No, Eric, that didn't happen because of the vaccine, you idiot. Slowhan, you're bothering me, man. You're, you're, he, he is so. This is such a disappointment. I will such a disappointment. I will say this though, as a guitarist, if you're a guitarist, you really need to learn how to play Crossroads from Cream's uh, Wheels of Fire album. I'm just gonna say that. I'm, I, I am not a Clapton fan. I was much more of a Clapton fan when I was in college. I am not now. I appreciate some of his guitar stuff, and I still think that if you learn Crossroads, you've got an encyclopedic knowledge of a lot of basic pentatonic minor blues scales. Um, But Clapton, yeah, man, it's been nice knowing you, Eric. That's all I'm going to say. A couple of weeks ago, we, we did a song, uh, our show about the Eagles. We referenced our, uh, our, our dear friend, Michael Oakes. Um, Sorry, Otis. <laughs> the two things that, that Otis gave, well, I was, I was a Clapton fan before I knew Otis, but Otis really helped, like, enhanced my love for Eric Clapton. And um, 
I, I would like to issue a public. We just we just rediscovered Otis, and I I, I don't want to lose you now, brother. All right, <laughs> but Eric Clapton can kiss my butt. You anyway. ought to hear Otis play Crossroads. Yeah, you should hear. I Otis mean, you really Crossroads. should. Yeah, Dude knows should. how to play. He's amazing. Well, folks, that's just going to about do it for this here edition of the Weekly List. If you like the show, you can find us on our uh, program page on the KYMN website at kymnradio.net. Look for the Weekly List. I have all of the old shows archived on that page. Or you can podcast us by looking for the KYMN Radio podcast, wherever it is you like to get your podcasts, like Spotify or Google or Apple or... Stitcher. And Rich, by telling all this stuff, aren't we just selling out right now? I just want to, I'm going to call a spade a spade. That's what it is, man. I'm just saying we're selling out too. Or you can find us on Facebook (laughs) under uh, The Weekly List, where I post every new show every Friday morning. Uh, while you're on Facebook, go like the KYMN Facebook page. Go like the uh, the Imminent Brewing Facebook page as well. We got one more sellout. <laughs> one more sellout. I, I'm trying to rush through this because we've got to play another commercial. Um, I love Elton John. I love Elton John. Mm-hmm. I, but that guy has sold out, much like the Rolling Stones, pretty well sold out every opportunity he's ever had. Sure. Uh he uh, he has he has done uh, a huge ad campaign for Diet Coke. What am I drinking tonight? You're drinking Diet just for the taste of it. You're drinking Diet Coke. Yeah, absolutely, uh, you got me, man. Yeah, he uh, in 1984, bad song, very very bad song. Uh, sad songs say so much. Not a good song at all. Nah. Huge hit in 1984. Couldn't sell that song to Sasson Jeans fast enough and then made a commercial singing Sasson Sasson says so much, right? It just, yeah. Yeah, it just uh, that's hilarious. But Danny, I found the creme de la creme. Oh. Doing a little okay. research. Check Lay it, it on me, brother. Check this out. I shopped for shirts online last night. And body wash Just for men Now I think we're gonna buy New shoes again Cash back on the things all in our home I shop on Rakuten Rakuten I mean, I don't even know who the heck Rakuten is but Elton John let him use Rocket Man. That was putrid. It was it was horrible. It was disgusting. And Elton John gave him Rocket Man. Rocket yeah. Man. Putrid. Um, uh, Rich, I think I soiled myself. I don't <laughs> think that I'm ever going to be the same. And I'm going to have to go and see a therapist now for some um, to get past that one. I mean, that one has left me emotionally scarred. And me saying that I'm emotionally scarred. That's saying something. <laughs> I, lo- I love that song. I love that. I loved song Rocket Man, so but much. You know, wow. And, and, and it's not like Elton needs the money. I'm, no. Now, I realize that Elton's got like he's got some spending issues. Like he has <laughs> a hard time. He, I he, mean, has, he, he, he likes to go out and binge shop and spend. Well, and all. by binge shopping is spending a quarter of a million. Exactly. Bucks, you exactly. Know? He, that's a binge that. shop, man. He'll, he'll, that, that's not bad. Um, but wow rocket man man well at least you didn't touch levon or maybe you could sell that to levi's don't don't levi's on (laughs) 
Oh. I got my leave. <laughs> don't just, give him any I, ideas. I don't. And, yeah. And, now, and you're 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 invoking the name of Levon Helm in this whole thing, and, right? And it's just oh my god. <sighs> okay, there's no way to end it other than that. I mean, we're just you know what? We're gonna cleanse the palate. <laughs> we're 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 gonna go to the the Honky Chateau album from 1970. We've done this before because we did play this on the Elton John show. 73, I think 73. Yeah. yeah. So far up to this point. I feel like we've just done a headfirst dive into an empty swimming pool. <laughs> you know, I feel unclean. I feel very unclean, unsatisfied, and just I feel icky. The one thing I'll say is that um, with the playing of Rocket Man tonight, Rocket Man becomes one of the like you know how SNL has the Five Timers Club. Yeah, yeah. I think Rocket Man joins the Five Timers Club. Really? Yeah, and I think the only other member of the Five Timers Club is Heroes by David Bowie. Wow. So anyway. Okay. Well. So you know, welcome, you big sellout. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We'll see you next week, kids. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Peace. She packed my bags last night, pre-flight. Zero hour, nine a.m. And I'm gonna be high. As a kite by then I miss the earth so much I miss my wife It's lonely out in space On such a timeless flight
Thanks for listening to this KYMN radio podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it interesting, consider leaving us a review and sharing this podcast on social media. You can find more podcasts like it on our website, kymnradio.net, or wherever you get your podcasts, simply by searching the KYMN radio podcast. And of course, you can listen to us live on 95.1 FM, 1080 AM, and on our website. KYMN is your home for real radio, true variety.